0: Well, once again, welcome everybody. We're so glad that you're here. And for those of you who are just joining us, as we go through the Advent season, we are going over every week the uh, meanings of the certain, uh, candle, the, the, what the candles represent. Last week, uh, the first candle represented hope. And today, the candle represented faith. And we believe that these are important, um, values or, uh, that we, Uh, need to experience, especially as we go through this COVID-19 series and this being a difficult time in our nation's history. But, you know, last week we talked about hope and hope is a mindset that you have that you will overcome or that your situation will have a desirable outcome or you have the um, belief that the outcome will be the uh, outcome that you want. And that's What hope? Now, when we talked about hope, hope in God is a little bit different because human hope—it's a lot of times it's wishful thinking. But with God, our hope is placed in somebody who's perfect, somebody who will absolutely come through, somebody who is completely trustworthy. And so, our hope that we have in God is very different than, oh, I hope that my sports team wins the championship. Or I hope that I get a good grade on uh, my exam. But you know, faith takes it one step further. Where faith, you know, has an element of hope in it. Where you uh, have the mindset that you will overcome or your situation will become better. But then faith, what it does, it adds action to your belief. Meaning that, um, let's say there's a bench here. And I, I could look at this bench and say, you know what, I hope that... It'll, it's made properly and that if I sit on it, it'll be able to, um, support my weight, right? However, however, when you add faith to that, faith is an action. And so faith actually allows me to go and sit down on this bench, okay? So before, um, I sat here, it was hope. Hope that I, you know, believed that it could support my weight. But then when you add faith to it, it was the action of actually going down and sitting on that bench. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And so if you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to Luke 1, and we're going to start with verse 26. Luke 1, verse 26. Now in the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. A town in Galilee. Now, remember last week, Elizabeth was married to Zachariah, and they were old in age and they were uh, childless. And at that time, um, being childless was seen as a curse. It was seen like, okay, what are the parents, especially the mother or wife, what? sin are they committing that god is punishing them and so this is the way both zachariah and elizabeth lived they didn't have a child and but they were still faithful to living out their faith they were faithful in trusting god and then that angel came to both um, zachariah and said that his wife was going to have a child even in their own age so here we see now that she is in the sixth month verse 27 to be uh, Um, gets this visitation from the angel. And just like Zachariah, she was startled. She was startled. And, and so, especially with the greeting, it says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And, um, you know, Mary is probably thinking, Okay, what is this angel saying? Why is this angel addressing me like this? And once again, the angel says, Do not be afraid. Because that was a standard response for people who, you know, came into the presence of an angelic being was fear, and so the angel says, "Do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God." And once again, Mary questioned that. He goes, "How have I, this child or teenager rather, found favor with God? I am nobody special. Why would you, a messenger of the Lord, come to me?" with this message and brings us to our first point is God knows your potential see at that time Mary being a teenager you know probably didn't think of herself as anything significant and then to have a visit and a message delivered to her from an angelic being was confusing for her why because she didn't think she was significant you know how many times have you doubted God because you didn't feel that you were good enough or that you were qualified enough. Or maybe that you sense God calling you into a certain ministry or to do something. Or maybe somebody asked you, hey, can you be involved in helping the church in this manner? Or can you be a, a, have you ever thought about going on a mission trip? Have you ever thought about going and speaking to so-and-so, encouraging them? Or have you ever thought about going to the hospital right? Not now, I know, COVID-19, but, you know, doing hospital, you know, to visit people who are in the hospital, and your response is, who am I? You know, I've got nothing to say. I'm not qualified. That's the work of somebody who's more spiritual than we, me, and we doubt our potential. But, you know, there are many people in the Bible that doubted their potential when God asked them. You know, in Judges 6, the Midianite army greatly outnumbered Israel. Greatly outnumbered Israel. And so God called Gideon to lead Israel to defeat this Midianite army. And it says in verse 12, if you could write Judges 6, 12 in your notes. When an angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Okay, he said, The Lord is with you. And then he said, mighty warrior. Now this is Gideon's response. Pardon me, my lord. Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. And so once again, this angel of the Lord approaches Gideon. Who doesn't think he's significant because he goes, my clan or my family is the weakest. We are the most insignificant of all the tribes of Manasseh. And in my family, I am the least in my family. But the angel calls him a mighty warrior. And so Gideon's probably saying, you know, who are you calling a mighty warrior? He's looking around. Certainly you're not talking to me. It says, Then the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. God saw Gideon's potential, but more importantly, he knew that he was going to be with Gideon. Gideon didn't think he was worth anything, but the angel of the Lord appeared to him and called him a mighty warrior. In first Corinthians one, twenty-seven to twenty-nine, please write this down too. It says But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So no one might boast before him. Brothers and sisters, this is a principle that we need to become comfortable with. That God chooses those who are unqualified number one because he sees the potential in him but number two he chooses them because he knows that he's going to be glorified through their uh, through him working um through these individuals he says so that no one could boast so when you are called to do something and you you're just uh, bewildered and you're saying why are you calling me God is calling you because he says, yeah, I know, you're not qualified. You're going to do well, but I am going to be with you. And so that when people see what you do for me, there will be no misunderstanding that you could have only done that through my power. Because if God is calling us to do things where we're highly qualified, a lot of people will say, okay, yeah, I get that. So-and-so did that because, you know, they have a lot of experience. You know, but if you are not qualified, if you don't feel you're qualified, and God asks you to do something that totally confuses you because you say, no way, God, I can't do this. And when you do it, guess who gets the glory? God gets the glory. Why? Because when people watch this, there is no way they could say that, oh, Dave did this on his own power. You know, I know Dave. I've known Dave all my life. And there's just no way he could have done that. And this is why God calls people. This is why he uses the foolish things to shame the wise, right? So he could get the glory. He continues in verse 31. And you will conceive and give birth a son, and you will call him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never be his kingdom will never end i'm sorry how will this be mary asked angel since i am a virgin once again mary hears this thing and now this message <laughs> confuses her even more because basically angel is telling her that you will give birth to a son not only any son But you will be giving birth to the Son of God, God himself, the Messiah that the nation of Israel um, is going, that has been looking for, forward to for thousands of years. And she said, well, how's this going to happen since I'm a virgin? And she says, "I, I don't doubt you because you're an angel and if you say it's going to happen, it could happen, but I'm not sure how this is going to happen because basically she probably knew the physical mechanics of having a child. So probably she was confused and this never, a message like this, never was given to anybody in the history of the nation of Israel. And so no doubt she was confused. And she continues. Well, in Isaiah seven fourteen, I don't know if she realized this or not, but this very event was prophesied 700 years ago. To the prophet Isaiah, when he said, "Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign: the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel." So, seven hundred years before that, the prophet Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah would come and that he would be born of a virgin. And I'm not sure if Mary recalled this passage or not, but this was prophesied. But, of course, she had her doubts. And then the angel replied to her in verse 35. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Which brings me to the next point. When you step out in faith, God will provide you with his strength. Because he says what? When Mary questioned how this is going to be done, right? It said, angel said, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, or permeate you, or surround you. Right? And so it was through the power of the Holy Spirit that this was going to happen. You know, when Joshua took over from Moses, this is probably one of the scariest um transition um in history. Here, Moses had just freed the nation of Israel from Egypt's, um, from slavery in Egypt. He performed all these great miracles which the nation of Israel saw. And he passed away. And now Joshua was supposed to take over and lead the nation of Israel to the promised land. And this is what he says in Joshua one nine. Once again, please write this down since it's not up there. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. It says, "Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged for the Lord God will be with you wherever you go." God was telling Joshua, "You know what? Yes, I'm telling you to take over for a man whom man who had big shoes to you have big shoes to fill." And I'm asking you to go and um Take over the land in which I promised to Abraham. And this land are filled with people who are pretty strong militarily. But do not be afraid. Why? Because I am with you. When you step out in faith, God will provide you with your strength. So if you're like Mary, if you're like Gideon, if you're like Joshua, who don't feel you're qualified and God has called you to do something where it requires a tremendous amount of faith in order to do, you don't have to worry about it. Because why? Because God will surround you with his power. God will be with you. And God will provide you the strength you need to go through it. right. In verse 36 in Luke 1. Um, Luke continues, Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And he, and she, who was to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. You know, and so, you know, Mary, we think Mary was Elizabeth's second cousin. So she knew Elizabeth was barren, right? And so once again, Mary is kind of confused at this message and saying, Well, how is this going to be done? And the angel t- told her, Well, you know, even as we speak... Elizabeth, your cousin in her old age, you know, she's going to have a child. She's pregnant right now. She's in her six months. And that probably shocked Mary too because Mary probably believed that there was no way that both Zachariah and Elizabeth could have a child because they were old. But this is what the angel told her to once again reinforce that with God, all things are possible, right? But look at Mary's response. For no word from God will ever fail. For no word from God will ever fail. God's word is absolutely trustworthy. And then she continues after hearing this outrageous and wonderful news. Mary answers in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Brings me to my next point. Living a life of faith does not require full understanding of God's plans for you. Okay. Living a life of faith, having faith, does not require a full understanding of God's plan for your life or for that moment. This must have blown Mary's mind. You know, to... So, number one, say that you are going to give birth to a child, and although you're a virgin, and you are going to give birth to the Son of God or God, uh, Himself. Now, do you think Mary had that figured out? Do you think Mary had all the plans figured out and she understood completely the message of that angel? Of course not. She was only 13 years old. We think she was just 13 years old or maybe, you know, now she would be in seventh or eighth grade. How many of you know your parents or how many of you, when you were in seventh or eighth grade and you got a message like this, would be able to say, oh, I got it. I understand this. You know, to have the news that you are going to have a child fathered by God, or that the child that you bear was going to be the Son of God, or the Messiah that was promised to the nation of Israel, that would have blown your mind. There would be no way that you could have figured that news out or understood how God's plan was going to unravel. But Mary, but Mary had faith and she said i am the lord's servant may your word be you, may your word to me be fulfilled and that should be our response when we are called to do something that we don't feel qualified for that we feel that this is from god or that maybe it's from other people who feel that what they're asking of you is from god and it's going to you're going to have to step out in faith In order to accomplish this. And you have just no idea. How this is going to turn out. You have no idea. How you're going to even get from point A to B. Let alone get from A, B, C to D. Your response. Has to be. The same response. That Mary gave. To that angel. Now I know that some of you are perfectionists. Well you've got to know. You just have to know how to get from A to D. And not only how to get from A, B, C to D, but to have backup plans if A to B doesn't work or from B to C doesn't work. So you have all of these contingent plans because you just have to know. For those of you who are perfectionists, you know, you, you, perfectionism does have its value. However, when it comes to faith, you're just going to have to trust. You are going to have to learn to be comfortable with, well, you know what? I don't know how I'm going to get from A to D. I don't have any contingency plans just in case um, plan A, B, or C fail. But the Lord God will be with me. And it is my responsibility as his servant to say, yes, Lord. She continues in, uh, Luke continues in verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. It's really interesting. It says, At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. It says where, in verse 40, she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. What did Mary do? As soon as she heard this news that pretty much not only confused her, but was pretty outrageous, she got ready and she hurried to a town to visit her relative Elizabeth to tell her this news. See, when you live by faith... You aren't publicly afraid to acknowledge God in your life. How many of us, if we heard that news, right, we would have said, our first thought would be, well, you know what, I better not say anything. Because if I say something, people might think I'm crazy, right? This is something I'll just keep to myself. And then if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't, right? But no, what does Mary do? She got ready and she hurried, hurried to visit her um second cousin Elizabeth, to tell her the news, right? And this is what faith is too. We've got, you know, if God has told us something and, you know, we can't be, a pub, we can't be afraid publicly to tell people about it. Mary wasn't afraid. She was as, as, wasn't ashamed. She wasn't embarrassed, right? Could you imagine telling her cousin, second cousin, oh, guess what? I'm going to have a son. Right, and you know who the Father's going to be, the Holy Spirit, and you know who the Son's going to be, the Son of God, the Messiah. Right? What would Elizabeth's response would be? Like, yeah, right, right. Um, but Mary believed this, and she went to tell. Her. She wasn't ashamed to share what the Lord had placed on her heart. Luke one forty one says. Um, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt, leaped in her room and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she proclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child that you will bear. All right? And in verse 43. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise in her. The last point is this. Living a life of faith results in blessing. Living the life of faith results in blessing. Hebrews eleven six says, if you want to be blessed by God, you have to live by faith. The author of Hebrews says, And without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It is impossible to please God without faith. Now you might, be, you might want things to be done in a certain way. You might want things to be done successfully but without faith it is impossible to please god number 1 you will never be blessed you know so if you're living your life and you just feel you know why is it that i just don't feel blessed by god and i'm not talking about material things or things like that i'm talking about the spiritual blessings with the, i feel like the joy the peace, the love, the kindness, and the patience, the gift of the Spirit. If we're living our lives and we're saying, you know, why don't I experience these things? God, why are you not blessing me spiritually? Well, maybe it could be because you are not living with faith. You are not living with faith. Why? Because it was, it's impossible to please God without faith. And one thing that Elizabeth Commended Mary for was she was being blessed. Why? Because she believed what the Lord told her. She lived in faith. And this is why faith is so important. Right now, if you just feel like your spiritual life's not working for you, just maybe, just maybe it's because you were walking by sight and not by faith, where God calls us to live by faith. However, if you do live by faith, you will be blessed immeasurably. God might ask you to do something that doesn't make any financial sense to you. God might be asking you to change your careers. When you're saying, Lord, I'm making this much, but this career... you know, my income's going to be cut in half. That, that doesn't make sense. Or God might be asking you to a place where you have no experience. God might be asking you to talk to somebody who would say, you know, that person just so much smarter than me. What if they ask me questions I can't answer, right? Those are the times that our response has to be the same as Mary. And it's when we live in faith When we respond by, I am the Lord's servant, may it be as you say, this is when we start experiencing the blessing of God. And I've seen it over and over and over again in my life. It's only those times when I stepped out in faith, in a lot of decisions that really didn't make sense, where I didn't understand the outcome, I didn't understand how this is going to work out, that now I look back and I said, Wow, God, thank you. Thank you. But guess what? I would never have experienced these blessings if I just stayed put. If I did what was reasonable. If I did what was logical. If I did what was strategic. If I did all of those things. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a logical decision. There's nothing wrong with trying to make a decision that doesn't make sense, or there's nothing wrong with being strategic. However, if those things get in the way of you following God's will in your life, you will never, ever experience God's blessing. Even if it means you might have good reasons, like, who am I? I'm not qualified. God, there's got to be somebody better out there than me. Because if you ask me, I'm going to just mess things up for you. Right? That might be your reason. But see, that reason really doesn't hold water with God. Why? Because he says, his, He he's going to be with you. He will give you the strength that you need in order to accomplish what he wants you to accomplish. Brothers and sisters, this Advent season... I implore you to take that step of faith and listen to God. And if maybe you question it, whether or not this is God's calling, ask a fellow believer whom you think um, has discernment and wisdom and ask for spiritual guidance. But just don't sit on it and don't do anything about it. What's our weekly challenge? Our weekly challenge is this. I'd like you to read Luke one 26 through 26-45. And when I want you to think about this, when was the last time you stepped out in faith, and God took care of you? When was the last time you stepped out in faith, and God took care of you? Right? And then take one action step to trust God this week. Now, as we enter time, uh, time of communion. Um, communion is all about faith, that Jesus Christ died for each one of our sins. And that is only faith in Him that we have salvation. You know, because those of us who accept Christ go, you know, God, why me? I'm not worthy. I'm not good. I'm not perfect. I've blown it so many times. But you see, this is why Christ came and died for us. Because He, was, he knew we were sinners. He knew that there was no way that we could have a relationship with Him. There's no way that we could be saved in and of ourselves. And so he sent his son to die forth. And so, would you read with me 1 um, Corinthians eleven twenty-three through 26 And in a moment we will be taking communion. And so if you want to take it at home with your family, please gather your, the elements together and we'll take it together. For I received from the Lord, that's what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, the night he was betrayed, took bread... is that whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we are proclaiming the Lord's death. We are proclaiming that we needed a Savior, and it was Jesus, and we placed our faith and trust in Jesus who died on the cross for us until he comes, until the second advent that we look forward to the coming, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so can I have the worship team... Please come forward as I um, pray over this time of communion. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that we could come before you and take communion. To remember, Father, that yes, we were not worthy. We were far from worthy. That our lives were messed up. That we've made so many mistakes in our lives. That we could not save ourselves. And that it was only through. The shed blood. That your son Jesus Christ. Shed on the cross for us. That we could be saved. And that is only through faith in him. Father. That salvation could come to us. And so father we thank you for that. And pray that as a reminder this Advent season that without faith it is impossible to be saved and without faith it is impossible to please you. This bread or wafer represents Christ's body that was broken for you, that he was beaten, and that he was nailed on the cross for your sins. This cup represents Christ's blood, which is the new covenant, which means that the new agreement or the new promise God has with us that if we have faith in him and him alone, that we will be saved We no longer have to offer sacrifices. We are no longer saved by obeying the law. We are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to take communion. And Father, may we always remember the sacrifice that you made so that we might have salvation. And Father, this Advent season, may we celebrate the birth of your Son, Jesus Christ. When he came to this earth, in order to eventually die for each and every one of us. So we thank you for that precious gift that you sent us 2,000 years ago. In your Son's name we pray, amen.